you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jonathan Baldock. Welcome, Jonathan. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. I am super excited to talk to you because you used to work in one of the companies that we utilize a lot for a lot of our management, uh, which is LinkedIn. And uh, I think you're the, the first person that have worked in sort of a senior role that I've talked a lot to uh, at LinkedIn. So I'm super excited for this interview. But uh, just before we get started, Jonathan, would you mind doing a little bit of an introduction to yourself so people know who you are and a bit more about your background? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So it's Jonathan Baldock. I'm actually based in Toronto, Canada. And uh, as, as you mentioned, I was at LinkedIn. So I was at LinkedIn for the better part of 10 years. And the first five and a quarter years, I was there working with LinkedIn's largest global customers, building their social media recruitment strategies. So if a company said they needed to hire 30,000 people, we would show them how to do it with LinkedIn rather than having to go externally with uh, agencies and paying big fees. And of course, the tools and learnings uh, in those applications are very, very applicable to small and mid-sized businesses as well. Uh, they're all best practices. Uh, and then after that time period, in the second half of my time at LinkedIn, uh, I was uh, doing the uh, same thing like servicing big companies, but it was all around social sharing. So it was about employee advocacy. LinkedIn had a platform called uh, Elevate. And so companies used it for a variety of reasons. Uh, some of them were trying to utilize it for uh, talent acquisition. Some were using it around marketing and social selling, and of course, brand reputation. And so uh, my, my time there, you know, first five years was really all focused on conversations around talent. And then the last uh, four plus years was all focused around varying different use cases for companies. Cool. And that was, uh, yeah, that's an interesting background. So I, I used to work corporate and similar big companies like IBM and Xerox and so on. So um yeah, it's always interesting and in seeing the inside of these big, big giant companies. So I, I really want to jump into some of this recruitment stuff because reality is lots of our audience is small business owners and they're all recruiting and lots of them don't like paying big fees to recruit great people. Um, so if we look at LinkedIn, like what, what do you see, like particularly for small business owners that might not have very much experience in recruitment? Uh, what, what's sort of your main tips or sort of your main ways of, of going about recruiting to LinkedIn? Um, well, um, one would be building out your, your actual company reputation. Uh, because if you're trying to recruit people, ideally, when they look you up, they have some idea who you are. And LinkedIn's one of the best places, you know, everyone's on there, that's in a professional capacity. There's over 700 million members. Uh, right now, roughly 730, 740 million members, I think is, is current number. Um, you know, once they do the next update. And so, and, and they're global, obviously. And so uh, representing your company in the best possible light is important. And so that tailors around just the building out of your LinkedIn company page, making sure that you've got the, the right image in there and you're, you're, you're updating with the good deeds that you're doing in the community, how you're participating in the business world. All of those things are important to be able to, to put out. So I think that's one is just establishing a brand on the platform and then understanding who you're competing with uh, when you're trying to recruit people. So 
if for some reason uh, I'm looking to uh, bring in technology people, I should know that you know in my area in the city of Toronto, these are the big companies that are doing the hiring for those kinds of roles. Uh, odds are people that work at those companies are going to be good for me, but also I'm going to be battling with those companies when I'm trying to extend an offer. So what unique things about our organization stand out? What do we have to offer that's appealing? And so you know, if we're a small business owner, then perhaps uh, our, our uh, offer is the fact that we're a small business. So you're not just going to be a cog in a big wheel on a huge team. You might actually have your hands wet in all kinds of different aspects of projects. So knowing what you have and what you can bring to the table, I think is sort of your, you know, the beginning of the conversation. Excellent. And so, so from a recruitment standpoint, um, like when, when you're building up your profile and so on, right? Yep. Like, should it be for, on a company page or should it be done by the owner or like what's the, what's the right way to go around that? So the answer is yes to all of that. Uh, definitely you want to build it on the company page. Also, you want to highlight the, the owner. And to be honest, in a perfect world, your employees are also sharing out great things that the company's doing. Hey, here's this charity we're on. We did. Uh, here's how we're involved in the community. Uh, we're sponsoring kids teams, you know, whatever it is, whatever the good deeds you're doing, that's all part of the brand equity and your, your, your employment value proposition. So understanding, you know, what the story is you want to tell, you don't have to rush it. You know, you don't have to put every single uh, idea and concept and story of, of all the good things that you do out on day one. You can stagger those out over the course of weeks and months. So then that way you've got an ongoing conversation with the community at large. And then uh, focusing them in on what appeals to that audience. And it's not too tricky to figure that out. You could just do a Google search and say, what are the 10 most important things to people when they're being hired? And then you can also do it for your particular role or industry. And that will also help you to understand what kinds of messaging should you be prioritizing. So I right. think that's part of it. But definitely it should be uh, on the company page certainly should be through the owner or the president you know who's running the company and then in a perfect world your employees are also disseminating that great information because the reality is you want referrals but not ever like if, for example for me i have 2000 linkedin connections if i if there's an open job at my company i might know about the job but i can't remember all 2000 connections that i have and who might be a great fit but if i happen to be sharing that job on linkedin and then people in my network see it that are appropriate for it, they might hit me up and say, hey, Jonathan, you know, that sounds interesting. What's it like at that company, et cetera, et cetera. And then we're driving in referrals. So there's a variety of ways to do it. But odds are, if you've hired me, people in my network are going to have a similar skill set that you're also going to want to hire. So one of the ways to drive referrals is to just keep that conversation and keep that information flowing outward. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And um, uh, actually, so one of the one of the small tricks we use when we hire is, you know, we we, we look for people with the right skill set, and then we always ask them like, "Would you know anyone that would be a good fit for this role?" So we are kind of like, because particularly if they're working for competitors, like we don't really want to poach people directly like that. Sure. But we kind of put it out there, and like a lot of the time, we actually say, "Hey, you know, my friend Ben over here is looking." a new job or something so we actually by, by asking like a little bit softly we actually get a lot of referrals to other people but exactly as you said with similar skill sets right so absolutely that's um, okay excellent excellent and i mean what, one of the things i love about linkedin is the 
with some roles at least, is the fact that you have like extremely good search criteria, right? So you sure. can search by location, you can search by like particular skill sets. So when we need someone, you know, who knows a particular app or like at one point we, we need someone who is very good at email marketing, specifically using Active Campaign, for example. Right. Like LinkedIn is great because you can really, you can find people who have things about Active Campaign very easily, right? And yeah. the challenge was when you do with regular job ads, like, it's a lot harder to find the people with like very narrow skill sets like that, right? Yeah, uh, that's a great point. And also understanding, for example, if you're looking at something in particular, like a particular app or, or a certain skill, um, also understanding what are all the competitive apps that those people might have experience in that are easily transitioning over to yours. So okay. if, you, you know, if, if you need somebody in and they have certain experience, there might be 10 other companies that, that, that offer that kind of experience where they could be coming from also. Because sometimes from a recruitment standpoint, uh, we look at it almost like a grocery checklist, which is, you know, you send me to the grocery store, here's the list of things I'm supposed to get, which is on somebody's resume. And then I just tick them off as I go through. And then I come back and I go, hey, the grocery store was out of these five things. And then the person at the, you know, where I'm delivering the groceries to is like, well, hey, there are other things that are similar. We could have gotten those instead. And then I didn't, you know, I, I come so black and white on the, the grocery list that I don't really think about what's important. And I would also stress, you know, as we're recruiting, the uh, ability to be able to learn. So if you've got somebody that's 80% fit and they need to learn some other things, if they're open to learning, but they've got the right attitude and they've, they've got the ability uh, and the interest to be at your company, uh, that's far more valuable than it is to have somebody that's got the perfect skill set but they're not really a great fit from a culture perspective. You know, it's, it's tough to manage the person, whereas it's easy to manage a great person that, that wants to learn it. Yeah. And 99% of the time that uh, I 100% agree. I mean, it, it's all about mindset and, and so on. And, and luckily like in a lot of jobs, like a lot of people think it's very difficult to learn that job, but reality is most jobs are. Now, if you're looking for a developer, you obviously need someone who's, got some kind of developer brain, right? Like sure. you, you don't want to spend three years teaching someone how to be a developer first, <laughs> right? So so obviously exceptions in some skill sets, but but generally I 100% agree. Um, actually lots, lots and lots of people we recruit uh, tend to not necessarily be from that background. So again, like I'm, I'm very big on transferable skills. Right. Um, and I'm very, very big on generally looking at like personality much more than uh, yeah, then there's a skill set and experience. So as an example, like we work a lot in online marketing and we do yeah. a lot of like SEO and it's all about numbers and data and all this sort of stuff, right? So like I love hiring accountants, for example, because they are just very good at that particular skill set. Now, they don't necessarily know how to do SEO, but the whole point is that, you know, they generally have a very logical brain, a very detail-oriented, and they, they, they get it so fast that, you know, it, it, yeah. It's easy to train them. So that, that's one of the things that I do a lot. It's, it's also, I, I always enjoyed when a new technology came out and then you would see a job description and on the job description, it names that brand new technology. And then the requirement is five years of experience with it. And, and, yeah. and so whoever runs the job description literally has no idea that that thing is two months old and no one has either any experience or more than perhaps one and if they got it the day it came out, two months of experience. So, so understanding what you know what's really important is is key in recruitment for sure. Excellent. 
So I think that's that's great. Any other sort of small recruitment secrets or anything that you you feel is um, really important to know? Any sort of obvious hints and tips? Well, I mean, LinkedIn sells some services, so uh, a couple of things to note. I mean, you can just take your job. You can post it on LinkedIn. You can share it through the network and you can share it through other social networks and you can have your employees share it and you're going to get great amplification. And to give you a quick example on that math, if you take a company that has, let's say, 50 employees uh, and um, an average company with 50 employees might have somewhere in the neighborhood of 800 followers, the average person on LinkedIn has somewhere in the neighborhood of 800 connections. So if I just get one employee to share it, it reaches the same number as what our company page update does. So if I can get all of our employees to share it, instead of reaching 800 people, it might reach something closer to 40,000 people. So that's one note is just what's the math on, you know, if we can get people to share. But from a paid perspective, if we look at services, um, they have some tools. Uh, One of them is LinkedIn Recruiter. It is a pricey product, but it is very, very valuable. Uh, Odds are, if you're a smaller company, you're not going to fork out $10,000 plus for one LinkedIn recruiter seat when you're hiring just a handful of people per year, you, you know, it's, it's a little bit daunting, but there are other tools that can help you do the same level of searching. So you can buy a LinkedIn sales navigator seat for, you know, maybe 15% of that price, maybe 18% of the original price. But the difference is that you still can do similar kinds of searching activity. You won't have all the functionality of LinkedIn recruiter, but you can access and a significant portion of the people on the LinkedIn network that'll help you to narrow down that, that search functionality and, and get you to the right people so that you can message them. So I think that's something worth considering. And then step back from that would be just like upgrading your uh, level of your individual personal account. So then that way you can send some more in-mails in case you find those right potential candidates and you want to message them directly, you have that ability. And then of course, uh, you know what you mentioned earlier in the conversation, which is the approach. I definitely recommend a software approach. Uh, having a recruitment background myself, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, cold calling somebody up while they're at the office can work, but uh, probably not likely going to happen from you know a business owner. And so, what you can do is you can just sort of softly message people saying, "Hi, I noticed you have these these skills. Not sure if you're in the market, or perhaps you might know somebody, as you suggested, might so- know somebody." Uh, that you would refer, but really we're looking for this kind of person. We would love some help, even just be steering us in the right direction for anybody within your network. That'd be great. Then that person might come back and say, actually, you know what? I'd be interested in having a conversation. And then you're like, that's great. You've already started the conversation. Then if not, they're making those referral suggestions as well. Yeah. So the the big thing that we have found, um, so I I have about 150 people. We hire lots of people. particularly in Asia, right? And the one yeah. thing I found was if you approach people directly, if you say, hey, you know, you have a super interesting skill set, you know, would you be interested in this role? What happens is now almost instantaneously, the discussion turns to salary, right? Correct. So instead of being a, yeah, you know, that sounds interesting, let me apply, it becomes a, you know, what do you pay, right? And even before you even know if the person is remotely good fit, you're already talking salary. And I found that to be, totally the wrong way around, which is why I, I find that the, the way you use LinkedIn and the language you use is very, very important, right? Because you don't want to end up in that situation. I agree. And I think it's because people feel like you're almost at the point of making an offer. Yeah. Like, hey, are you interested in this job? It's kind of like, oh, I guess you want to hire me. Well, how much yeah. does it, you know, you're right on yeah. the topic of, of price. 
So or, and, or, and then you're getting then you're going to get commoditized, right? You're you, you know yeah. then it only comes down to price. They have no idea who your company is. They have no attachment to your company. And then they're really if they would make a decision to come in, it was purely based on how much money they're going to make, which is not going to provide you any longevity of your employees sticking around because the only reason why they came was because it was about money. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also it's, it's like a lot of time it's kind of like testing, kind of saying, you know, I'm not really interested in moving, but you know, if you're going to like double my salary or something, you know, I might consider it type of thing. Right. Right. Um, but yeah. Okay. Super, super interesting. Super interesting. So you also worked a lot generally with, with um, sort of the marketing side of LinkedIn. Is that right? That's right. What what do you see for small business owners? I mean, in my outsourcing company, we have, we have done sort of LinkedIn outreach in various ways and yeah. uh, for various people um, and that have worked with various success. Um, what what sort of your thoughts on, I guess, marketing? If we if we start from a pure marketing point of view, like mm-hmm. what, what's the value and who who's the ideal people to be using LinkedIn for marketing? Okay, so uh, if I mean in a perfect world, B two B is 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 you know perfectly suited to the LinkedIn network. B two C is is applicable, but typically you have to run paid campaigns to make it really really valuable, unless there are other use cases. So, for example, if it's talent acquisition or you have a compelling uh, proposition from a product perspective that uh, people would really want to know about, and it might be a higher ticket, you know, dollar you know dollar value. Um, otherwise, B2B is, is, is the perfect scenario for LinkedIn because all of typically all of the buyers that you care about are going to be on the LinkedIn network. The next question is, how do you get in front of them? And so uh, we typically look at the LinkedIn platform in three different sections, uh, owned, earned, and paid. And so owned would be your, you know, your assets, like your LinkedIn company page, your showcase page, things like that. Um, and then paid would be a specific campaign. So, hey, uh, and, and LinkedIn has great targeting. So it would be, hey, I, I want people within this industry, this sector, in this location at this level to receive this ad. And this is how often I want to run this campaign. This is how much I'm willing to pay. And then LinkedIn runs the uh, the campaign for you. And then you start to see the results you know, coming through. And typically you can kind of bank on a you know, particular CPC. So a cost per click. You can kind of guess depending on the industry. It'll give you a rough idea of what the current bids are. And then that way you can you can get your campaign up and running. Those paid campaigns typically are looking for an action. So it's usually, hey, here's our offer. You know, please click through and come to our website and, and please become our customer. Um, over the course of time when I was at LinkedIn, uh, they were getting a little bit smarter about direct advertising. And instead of you know, putting out an offer, it was more of a story. So for example, uh, here's how we approach this industry. So the ad was more of a story. And so it was called a sponsored ad. And so what it would be is more like a little a brief about the company, you know, our thought leadership, a principle, um, something we do in the industry that makes us unique. And then again, you put that ad in front of a target audience. And at that point, you're not necessarily looking for them to click and buy. You're looking for them to click to engage to start a conversation, and then hopefully that conversation continues where they become followers of your LinkedIn company page, something of that nature. The section in the middle is where I spent most of my time, which was on earned uh, media. And so that's, you know, when I just did that math, for example, of, you know, if you have a, a company with 50 employees and it has maybe say 800 followers and you have one update, you know, the talent purpose for the marketing purpose, it kind of works the same. 
you have a company page update, it reaches 800 people because that's how many people are following your company. Whereas if your employees share it out, it reaches 40,000 people perhaps. And so uh, that's an, an expansive reach. Who are your employees connected to? Well, they're connected to your customers. They're connected to your future customers. So this is really like a valuable asset that's already there. You already hired the folks. So why not capitalize on the ability to message through them? And generally, they're proud to work at your company. They're happy to you know, uh, distill the great things that the company does. Not necessarily just be a voice for the company, but you know, sharing thought leadership, industry news, and of course, occasionally talking about the company's products and services. So then if we look at you know, uh, uh, so if that 50 uh, person company can now reach 40,000 people, what size of a company on average would have 40,000 followers? Well, that's generally a company that's closer to the, like having 2000 employees. So if you're, if you're a company that has 50 employees and you're trying to compete with a company that has 2000 employees, just sharing out content through your employees networks puts you in the same size of voice as a much, much bigger company. 40, 50 times the size. So unless they're doing the same thing, you're immediately on the level playing field. And then the only way they can up the ante is by spending big bucks on paid campaigns or catching on that they should be amplifying their voice through their employees as well. And then the purpose of the messaging really is about um, reinforcing the value that you have for your existing customers, delivering extra value and, and, uh, and market information, thought leadership, uh, reinforcing that they've made a great decision with you as a, as a, as a uh, company. And then of course, uh, from a prospecting standpoint, any of those positive engagements that you get, likes, comments, shares, reshares, those are all amplifying your voice into the secondary network. So not just your employees' first degrees, but now the, uh, all of their networks, second degree, or like their first degrees to your employees' second degrees. So you could really get uh, you know, if you get a, a, an article out there that happens to get pretty good engagement, instead of reaching 40,000 people, you might be able to reach 100,000 or, or more, just with a few engagements. And then those engagements, if they're at a company that you're targeting, well, they're going to go into the newsfeed of almost everybody else that works there, including everyone that's in the buying team. And that's what you want to do. Yeah. Okay. I like I would, that a lot. And uh, that, that, that's a good mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And then I would just add that when you run a paid campaign, usually it's a finite specific message you're trying to get across. Whereas if you're communicating through employees, that channel is not closed. It's an evergreen channel that's always available. So you don't have to rush. You don't have to be like, here's our products, here's our service, please buy, 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 buy. Instead, it's, hey, you know, here's what we're doing right now. Here's how we're helping the community. Here's some of the great things. Here's some thought leadership. Here's uh, you know, some things that you can click on that you, you can get some value from that you don't necessarily need to buy anything from us. And then as that story continues over the course of a year, those people have warmed up to the brand. They've warmed up to the people that are at your company. They think of your employees as thought leaders and subject matter experts. And all of a sudden, your conversation changes when prospects come in. They're much, much warmer to the products and services that you've got uh, available. They're much more likely to buy. And they're much further down that sales funnel. Yeah, and that's, uh, I mean, one, one of the things that I always look at when, when I do that is, is like the amount of touch points, right? Because the amount of people who buy the first time they hear about you is generally very small, right? And I think a lot of time when people are measuring the impact of certain things, I mean, sometimes you will have instant impact, right? But a lot of the time, like if, if you do run ads, regular ads, for example, I mean, it's not just 
what you get a conversion at that point in time. It's the fact that they touch you another time, they see your, your product, your service, and so on, right? And that might what, you know, next time they see you or next time they hear you somewhere, that might be what, what makes the difference and make them buy from you, right? So totally. I think it's it's very un- important to understand, like it's it's not just a black and white, like it either works today or it doesn't work, but it's really a lot about the buyer journey and so on as well. Yeah, we used to, we called it the buyer journey or the decision journey when I was at LinkedIn. And sometimes it's months and months long. You know, think about if you need a, a car, uh, the first ad you see, uh, you don't then go, okay, I guess I have to get that one. And then you run to a dealership and make the purchase and head on home and go, well, I hope it was good and I hope it suits my needs. You know, there's a lot of, of thinking and, and, and thought that goes into it. And that decision uh, journey might take some time. And even if you're under pressure to do it quickly, you're still going to do a lot of research and you still need a lot of touch points. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Anything else from a marketing standpoint or do you reckon that's the uh, good bits? Um, I think there's something else, something else worth mentioning, which is um, around share of voice, um, which is something that at LinkedIn uh, we used to measure. And so that would be because... Uh, on LinkedIn, you don't, you don't need to convince 700 plus million members that your company is the best company and that everyone should be buying from you because not all 700 plus million members are potential buyers. So you, you know, measuring your voice on the audience that matters to you is really what's important. And so it's not about convincing the world, it's about being focused. And so you can, if you look at it, um, like on a particular topic, let's say your, your business is in artificial intelligence. Um, so then what LinkedIn would do is we used to measure up that topic and go, how many conversations are happening about artificial intelligence on our LinkedIn platform? And then of those, what percentage of those is your company involved in? So then that will tell you your share of voice on that particular topic. And then from there, you can make a decision, where do I want to be? And we used to be able to stack rank your competitors. We used to be able to say, hey, look, if you've got 1% share of voice and this other company's got 15% and you're competing with them, perhaps you want to step up your game a little bit because you know you need to, you need to get involved. And so uh, it would be, uh, I guess an example would be um, if you had a car dealership and uh, they were two were parked next to each other and you had three cars on your parking lot and then next door had 100 cars on their parking lot, um, odds are uh, the lot that has 100 cars is going to draw a lot more people in because there's more choice. And so it, it, that kind of you know, visual perception of um, the conversation you need. So if, if it's a topic that's in, involving your business, if you're not involved in that conversation, you're really kind of not in that business. And so then how do we get involved in the conversation? You know, some of it could be paid marketing, but a lot of it is uh, sharing through employees' channels in order to amplify that message. Yeah, I like it. Excellent. Okay, Jonathan. Very good. Very good. Anything else sort of LinkedIn related that you would like to share? Any other sort of hints and tips that you think are critical for small business owners in particular? Yeah, I would give uh, one would be uh, social sharing best practices. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, so some companies fall into the trap where they only talk about themselves. They only talk about their products and services. It's buy, 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 product, 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 please buy, 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 buy. And uh, unfortunately, people will, that, you know, that falls onto deaf ears really, really quickly. And so uh, we had a really nice ratio at LinkedIn, which was our social sharing best practice. 
which is for every six pieces of content you share, three of them should be thought leadership, two of them should be industry related, and one of them should be about your company. And if you follow that best practice and you're not in a rush to you know, send out hundreds of pieces of content about your company, then you can really do a nice cadence of adding value to the network, really delivering important information, and then period, you know, just sort of periodically scattering in bits and pieces about the company that then makes that story a little more compelling and it makes the brand a little bit more uh, sticky. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I like a lot of time I see people posting, right? And I, I'm like, when, when there's no likes, when there's no you know comments and so on, generally things don't go very far, right? So it is. Uh, I totally see what you're saying with that because you, you you need you need a lot of content that get out and get shared, right? Because if it's all the sort of bio stuff content, then you're you're not gonna get the reach. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, you don't want to just share something for the sole purpose of getting likes, because if it's not a valuable story. So, you know, it could be uh, something in the news that you think is, you know, going to get you a lot of likes, but if it doesn't relate to your industry, doesn't provide value to your network, you could end up with piles of likes, reshares and comments, but unfortunately it's not your target audience because none of these people actually care about your industry. They just care about that story. So even, even if you get, you know, I, I would take one story with three likes that's relevant, you know, relevant to my industry than another story with a hundred that has nothing to do with it. Because now I'm really just, you know, all I'm focused on is getting likes and comments and they're, and they're not gonna provide any value to my actual business. Again, not, you know, don't try and convince the world you're amazing, just focus on who is important to you, which is, you know, your clients and your prospective clients. Oh, I think that's great advice. And I think a lot of the time, I mean, there, there is obviously a balance between bias stuff and so on as well, right? But I think a lot of the time, um, I mean, I, I'm not sure for LinkedIn how the algorithm work, right? Like I guess if you have a bunch of posts with, with a lot of engagement, you know, do your future posts then automatically do better? Or is it, is it more post-by-post post scenario? I, I think it's post-by-post. Post. Uh, one thing to, to mention is that LinkedIn has been embracing hashtags more. And so you can use hashtags. I wouldn't recommend any more than two, but uh, that makes the, the article searchable as well. So uh, that's something that you can do to sort of amplify your voice. The other thing is you can at somebody in the article. So if it really relates to a client or it relates to uh, somebody that you think could get some value out of it, you can just at and then put in their name. And then that way it, it gets their attention because they've been named in that article. So uh, you don't want to name everybody, but you can you know, periodically name this person or that person because you think they should have a look at this. It could really relate to you know, a conversation you had. And then of course it might provide additional value to everybody else. Yeah. So I would say one trend I saw that annoyed me a lot was people starting like tagging like 50 people they knew or something. Right. Yeah. That's uh, not every good. time that's they not make good. a, every time they made a post and I was like, yeah, don't do that. No, that's not a good, that's not a good strategy because they're going to get annoyed that they're getting tagged and everything all the time. Uh, so yeah. it, what you will do is you will shrink your network pretty fast because they will, uh, not only they will unfollow you, but they will just uh, disconnect for sure. Yeah, that's what I've been doing, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, makes right. sense. Excellent, Jonathan, excellent. So um, 
just before we finish, any other kind of resources or anything else that you feel if people want to look into more of this stuff, like that you feel is a good place to start? Sure. Um, on LinkedIn, they have a couple of different blogs. So uh, they have a sales blog, they have a marketing blog. So I would definitely recommend following those from a talent acquisition. They have a talent acquisition blog as well. Again, all good things. So they have a lot of good resources. Uh, that's a great, you know, great place. Uh, if it's around advocacy and social sharing, uh, then I would say you should check out uh, socialhp.com. Uh, that's where I'm consulting right now. And they're the 2.0 of that space. They really have the best product. And so I would say, you know, if you need something that makes your life a little easier on that front, that's a great resource as well. And then you can always just reach out to me directly and I'll do my best to either connect you with the right person or help in any way that I can. And so it's just Jonathan Baldock on LinkedIn. And in fact, the URL is linkedin.com uh, forward slash in and then Jonathan Baldock. Perfect. I'll make sure we include all your details in the show notes as well. So people, people can easily get in touch with you. So thank you very much for joining me today, Jonathan. It was awesome talking with you and uh, great to have a little bit of a new topic to talk about. So thank you very much. Likewise, appreciate you having me on. Cheers. Excellent. And for the audience, thank you very much for listening. I hope it was super valuable and we'll be back again next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.